Now, my son Caleb, I didn't ask his permission before I was going to pick on him this morning, so forgive me, son. He was a very active child. You know, what our others were a little bit different, but Caleb was always into something. And he would get hurt sometimes. And we would often, you know, when he was hurt, you know, as a parent, you want to comfort your child. So what do you what you naturally do is you just tell them about a time when you got hurt. A time when you fell down. A time when you touched something you shouldn't have. And you got hurt. And Caleb was so fascinated by the idea that mommy and daddy could get hurt that he began requesting these stories. Regularly. He would request them of anybody he was spending time with. And what he called them, he called them owie stories. So he'd say, Dad, tell me an owie story. Mom, tell me an owie story. Grandma, tell me an owie story. I'm curious about this. He found these stories, I think, comforting because he could see that though we had been hurt, we had somehow managed to recover. Now you and I, we smile when we think about boo-boos, Right? Why do we do that? Because we know that they're temporary, and we know that they're going to heal. We smile because we know that not only will the effects pass, but we will likely have learned some valuable lessons with a fairly inexpensive price tag. So, we smile about boo-boos because when they're temporary, they're going to heal, and it's a fairly inexpensive price tag. You know, scraped knees, speeding tickets, who's had those? Teenagers, maybe it's confession time. Who's had a speeding ticket? So scrape knees, <laughs> boo-boos, bad grades, fender benders, and even a little bit of credit card debt is something that we can fully recover from, right? We can get past it. But what happens when life hurts? What happens when life hurts? When life hurts, we recoil. Because we know instinctively that something has happened to us in a deep level, and it's going to take time to heal. And we withdraw. When life hurts, we walk with a limp. From this point on, we know that we will not be the same. When life hurts, we come away with tender areas that we feel like we need to protect and we need to cover up. And it is during times like these that we find ourselves asking difficult questions. What did I do to cause this? What have I just learned about the world that I live in? What have I just learned about myself and others? In light of what has happened, who can I trust? Can I trust myself? Can I trust you? And what about God? How does this affect my view of God? Today we're going to begin a series focused on the experiences of Job. We're going to see how tragedy caused Job to evaluate himself, his friends, the world as he knows it, and ultimately the God who he has served faithfully all of his life. He's put all his eggs in that basket. Turn with me to Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. We're going to read a selection of verses this morning. <coughs> Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and a large number 
of servants. He was the greatest man among the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with him. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would sin and have been purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. So Job was blameless. He was upright. He feared God. He shunned evil. And he was conscientious of sin. You know, he regularly offered sacrifices for his kids just in case they had made a mistake by accident. And you would think that these things that Job did would have guaranteed him some sort of preferential treatment with God. But sadly, you and I know that life offers no such guarantees. Marriages still fail. Children go astray. Health declines. Lives are cut short. Addictions drain resources. And precious time is wasted. So what do we do when things happen that are beyond our control? Psychologists tell us that the following common responses to grief generally occur in this order. First of all, we start with denial. Everything's okay. Nothing happened. I'm all right. I can deal with this. I can handle it. And then we move to anger. I can't believe he did this to me. I can't believe she did this to me. I can't believe this is happening. Then we move to bargaining. You know, if I could just figure this out, if I could just get this result, if I could just get through this time period, if they would just do something for me. And then we move to depression, where we just struggle with what's happening. And then finally, acceptance. You know, in the book of Job, we're going to see all of these responses at play. And though you're going to be disturbed by Job's, Job's suffering, I think you'll be grateful for Job's brutal honesty and his determination in the midst of it. So the big question for us in this series is how do we move successfully toward acceptance with our faith still intact? You know, because... Denial has its place. Anger has its place. Bargaining has its place. Depression has its role. But how do we get to acceptance somehow with our faith still intact? Continuing on in verse 9, as, as we learn from this story, for whatever reason, Satan comes into the presence of God. He highlights God offers up Job as an example of faithfulness. And Satan asks for permission to test him. Continuing on in verse 9. Does Job fear God for nothing? I mean, he's got everything going for him. Satan says, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the works of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you. It's his. Curse you to your face. And God, for whatever reason, he agrees to allow Satan to test the sincerity of Job's faith. So the question for us is, is tragedy going to shipwreck Job's faith? So point A is what Job feared had happened. It happened. So God gave him permission, and then Satan just wreaks havoc. 
destroys his, his crops, steals his cattle, kills his family in a series of tragedies, one after another. So what Job feared happened. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a list in my heart, in my mind, and it's called my too much list. You know, if, if these things happen to me, it'd just be too much. I don't, I don't know that I could make it. You know, if, if my wife left me, if one of my children passed, if I had cancer, if I or one of my loved ones had a debilitating illness or injury. But, you know, truthfully, I'm still a little bit kind of light on this life experience. And truthfully, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of how I would respond. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm kind of concerned that if I really went through something, I'm not sure if my faith would make it. I'm a little bit concerned. But I'll tell you what, watching how many of you have responded, many of you that I know personally, it gives me hope. How do you continue to get up each day and endure through crippling hardship? I don't know the answer to that question, but a number of you do. And it inspires me. And the story of Job, it gives us hope. It gives us hope that the worst kind of tragedy imaginable you, you see what Job went through. Unimaginable tragedy. But it doesn't have to extinguish our spirit. It can certainly knock the breath out of us, right? Isn't that how you feel sometimes? It just knocks the breath out of you. You didn't see it coming. But it need not ultimately defeat us unless we choose to allow it. And then point B is what will he place in the space. Because there's a space, there's a gap between what Job has come to expect of God and what he is now experiencing. And what's he going to place in that space? Up to this point in his life, Job has operated according to the following worldview. God is good and rewards those who place their trust in him. And though he is aware of hardship elsewhere, he points it out later in the book, it has not touched him personally. But now that it is on his doorstep, he has to decide what he believes. Does he believe that God is arbitrary and impersonal? You know, many of the surrounding nations at that time served impersonal gods who required things from their people. Their message was, serve me or else. And even if you did follow the rules and the rituals prescribed, there was no guarantee that they were going to turn things well out for you in the end. These gods were generally cruel and indifferent. So Job's temptation here is to conclude that the God of heaven is just like all the other gods. And he cannot be trusted. He's arbitrary. He's impersonal. He's not paying attention to you. He's not looking out for you. In fact, at that time, you had to basically pay to get the God's attention. So he's asking himself, is God arbitrary? He's also asking himself, is God powerless and irrelevant? Again, at that time, circumstances were all tied to a spiritual meaning. People didn't just get sick. Things didn't just happen. Every effect had a cause. And the trick was to figure out why something was happening. So a natural assumption for Job would have been that maybe there's a bigger God on the block. More powerful than his God. Maybe God doesn't have what it takes. Maybe God's not capable or able of solving his problems, of protecting him, of fixing the things that had gone wrong. So is God powerless? In other words, two questions. Is God able? And does God care? 
And these are questions that you and I have asked ourselves in our hard times, in our darkest moments. Is God able? Does God care? Continuing on in verse 20, this is Job's response to the tragedy. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. And I know you're astounded by that response. Like, I'm astounded by his response. How, how can he respond this way to such tragedy? But it doesn't stop there for those of you who know the story. Satan then asked permission to afflict Job's body. He said, hey, you, you've heard you hurt his family. You've taken away his wealth. Now touch his body. And then surely now he'll give up on you, God. He'll be done with you, God. Just give me permission. And then God gives him permission. And then beginning in verse 7 of chapter 2. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this Job did not sin in what he said. So then point C is, we see from these two passages that Job chooses to delay judgment. He chooses to delay judgment. In other words, he doesn't assume he knows what's going on. He's got suspicions. He's suffering now personally, physically. He's right in the midst of his pain. And he chooses to delay judgment. You know, his way of viewing both life and God is under fire. Teetering on the edge of, of going away, of him giving up. And rather than deciding in the moment, Job chooses not to decide for now. So after killing Job's family, robbing him of his wealth, and finally afflicting Job's body, Satan fails to immediately shipwreck Job's faith. But as you and I know, his journey is far from over. Job's still in shock. Probably a little bit of denial. He's not so quick to throw away the faith that he has built his entire life upon. According to him, the way that he's understood it, all these blessings that he has experienced is because of his faith. And now that tragedy has struck, and he's having to rethink things. He's not so quick to throw it away. At the same time, in order for Job's faith to survive the trauma that he has experienced... It's going to take more than just temporarily delaying judgment. But this is a necessary first step. You know, when things don't turn out as you and I expect, we have a choice. You know, what are you and I going to place in that space, the gap between what we've come to expect of a good and loving God and what we're now experiencing? Will you place fear and doubt, or will you at least temporarily, temporarily place trust? So what have you gone through? What are you going through right now? When what you fear happens, when what I fear happens, because I've got my list. And I'll be honest, I don't feel like I'm ready. And I know many of you who 
who have gone through things, who are going through things. You didn't feel ready either. So what are we going to do? What is going to be our choice? Will you choose to delay judgment and at least temporarily place trust in the space, in the gap? You know, when we experience hardship, what if we'd be willing to at least temporarily give God the benefit of the doubt? You know, many people have walked away from faith because they had ex expectations of God that may have been a bit unrealistic. And sadly, they found out too late that when they lost faith, they ended up losing a whole lot more than that. You know, when somebody came to that point, when they encountered something they didn't expect, it shook their faith to the core. And then they decided, that's it. I've had it. I'm done with this. I don't believe this. I'm going to build my life on something else. And then they ended up losing a whole lot more than that. So I would encourage you today, if you're struggling, if your faith has been shaken, don't quit just yet. Don't give up just yet. At least temporarily. There's a gap. I, I understand that. I've experienced it. I will experience it. When there's a gap, a space between what I expect of God, a good, loving God, and, what, and what's happening to me, I'm going to be tempted Quit to give up. Don't give up. At least temporarily fill that gap with trust. In the first century, Christians had expected God, if they had expected God to deliver them from all suffering, they would have given up almost immediately. Think about those folks when they were going through persecution, suffering, martyrdom. They would have given up. They would have jumped ship almost immediately. So what do you think it was that kept their faith intact? Perhaps it was the example of their suffering Savior, Jesus Christ, who endured hell. You remember what he went through? The persecution, the beatings, the mocking, the crucifixion. He endured hell so that they would have the hope of heaven. Perhaps that's what encouraged their hearts. And I, I, my prayer is that today you'll be encouraged by Job who went through the worst tragedy imaginable. And yet at least temporarily he chose to fill the gap with trust. So the big idea today that I would submit to you, that I would encourage you to consider, is in the midst of something hard. In the midst of something hard is not the time to try to figure, figure things out. Give yourself some time. Place trust in that gap. Hold on for just a little bit longer. And do plan to be here next week. And we're going to talk about the second step towards surviving tragedy with your faith intact. And we're going to see what Job did next. He decided to engage and express what was on his heart. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for your word. And even though it's not a fun story to read, it's very disturbing to me personally. But we learn so much about who you are. We learn so much about how to respond when things that we didn't ask for, when things that we don't feel like we deserve, when things that just have happened to us and that life has hurt us and that life has affected us in such a way, God, that we know we're going to walk with a limp after. We know that we're going to continue to suffer residual effects of this. But God, I pray that you, would incur, that you would give us the ability to just, at least for now, 
when we don't have it all figured out, when we don't understand what's happening to us, we don't know why, that we'll at least temporarily be willing to place trust in that gap so that we can continue to take steps. Because we don't want to quit. We don't want to lose faith, Lord, because we know, we've seen what happens to people when they lose faith. We've seen the kind of choices they make. We've seen the kind of paths they go down, and we see how much they lose, that they lose more of their health. They lose their families. They lose their relationships when they remove you as their foundation, Jesus. So I pray that you would encourage people in the midst of their difficulty to at least temporarily delay judgment. It's in Jesus' name I pray.